And now we ask your blessing upon our time in the word. We'll give you the glory as we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles now, let us turn to 1 Peter as we continue in our series here, our uh, study of 1 Peter. And uh, we're in chapter 4. Chapter 4, we're going to pick it up where we left off, and we'll pick it up at verse 2 tonight. And again, as you know, the title of our series is Alien Life. As Peter was talking to the believers scattered over the empire, they, they were suffer, suffering much, great persecution. And he was trying to encourage their hearts and how difficult it was in a time of suffering for them to believe that God actually has a plan in this. God actually has a plan in the suffering But now we come to a uh, very special part uh, of this chapter, and we come to these last few verses, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 19 tonight, because now Peter refocuses upon the problem of suffering, and he's going to be direct about it to his readers. And basically, the question would arise is, how should a believer then respond to suffering or any kind of persecution? Well, I'm sure they were taken back by his statement in verse 2. If you look with me and let's read, uh, uh, I mean, verse 12. Look at verse 12 and 13 together. Peter writes, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial or fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. I'm sure that the Christians uh, at this time were bewildered. You know, they, they, I think they, they couldn't believe, many of them, that this kind of suffering has started to take place, this kind of persecution. And of course, we know all about this first century persecution, especially during the time of this writing when Peter wrote these letters as Nero became emperor. And we've mentioned it before that Nero, when he charged the Christians with burning the city of Rome, which of course he was responsible for, but he needed a scapegoat. And so he he persecuted the Christians. And in the arena, he'd have them all tied, many of them tied to poles and burnt. And they, uh, they were burned at the stake. And at night, they would light up the sky. And so, Peter here is using that specific word, fiery, as you see there. Fiery trial. And the people understand exactly what he's talking about. But here, Peter says to them, Christian, I don't want you to be surprised by the fiery ordeal that's come into your life. 
How many of you have recently been shocked by something that has taken place in your life or in the past? And, and it was something that blindsided you. You didn't see it coming. And suddenly there you are in this, in this fiery trial that you never prepared yourself for. And you and I, we get shocked by that. There's that initial shock. And certainly for the, these believers, suddenly there's, there are, many of them are arrested and taken prisoner. And they are gonna, many, many of them are going to be executed. And, and no doubt they were, they were questioning, Lord, why? Why? We, we're, we're believers. We're, we're uh, your children. Why? Are you allowing this to happen? So Peter tries to encourage them saying, and he calls them beloved. I love that. Beloved or loved ones, do not be surprised about the fiery ordeal among you. But then he gives the reason why it's come, which has come upon you for your what? Testing. It's come upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Peter's reminding the believer and reminding us tonight here that we should not be surprised when persecution comes to us as believers. And I don't know if you've noticed, but persecution is growing in America the Christian is being marked, and it starts, and it goes all the way up to the top of the government, all the way down. You're seeing that we as believers are now considered enemies of the state. Oh, if you, if you claim the Bible to be the word of God, you claim to be a Christian, you name the name of Jesus, you and I are marked by the world and persecution has been growing here in the States. Now, we don't know anything about persecution. We have not suffered uh, what I would consider real persecution. Uh, when you look across the seas, you see the other countries and the Christians that have been, uh, been persecuted. And they have, uh, many of them have died for their faith, whether it be China, North Korea, many of these other countries. Uh, the Christians are laying down their lives. We haven't arrived there yet, but it's coming. But Peter is saying to us tonight, don't be surprised when the persecution comes because it is going to get worse before Jesus returns. It is going to get worse. But we must remember that God has allowed these persecutions for our testing, for the, for the, the testing of our faith. Turn to John chapter 15. Let's go over to the Gospel of John 15, if you would. And look what Jesus said to his disciples. John 15, verse 18. <clears throat> John 15, 18. He reminded his disciples in the upper room. And I'm sure this was coming to Peter's mind as he was writing this letter to the churches. Verse 18. Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, 
Therefore, the world hates you. The world hates you. The, P- Peter is going to is going to be mentioning here uh, in the next verse. Going to be talking about the sufferings of Christ that we will experience. We are suffering for Christ. And here Jesus reminded his disciples, you belong to me. I chose you out of the world. Therefore, that world out there is going to hate you. And so I cannot be shocked or surprised if if suddenly uh, I am confronted by an ungodly world there that wants to silence me or to silence you in sharing our faith, standing upon the promises But Jesus made it clear to his disciples that these things will happen. You will be hated for my name's sake. And that's why we should not uh, be be fearful. And 2 Timothy, Paul wrote 2 Timothy 3.12. He wrote to Timothy, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not maybe, but will be. So go back with me now, if you would, to 1 Peter. Let's go back to 1 Peter 4 and look at verse 13. Then he wrote, But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, so this is, this is what Jesus was trying to get across to his, his disciples. You're sharing in my sufferings. When you are persecuted, because you name my name. So, when you share in the sufferings of Christ, what are we to do? Peter makes it very clear right there. Keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. So that also, at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. That's what Bob was talking about. The coming of the Lord Jesus returning for us, his saints. But we must know this, that when he reveals himself from heaven, and we see him in all his glory, if we have suffered faithfully for him, when we see him, we will rejoice Because our salvation has come, it was worth it all, and he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. But this keep on rejoicing. Turn to Acts chapter 16. Again, the world has no idea what this means. Acts 16, and we we have here... The Apostle Paul, of course, and along with Silas, where were they? Uh, Here in Acts uh, 16, verse 22, let's pick it up at verse 22. And the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. So here, Paul and Silas are beaten. First of all, they're dragged out of the market where they were preaching the name of Christ, and now they're beaten with rods, so they've got all these wounds on their bodies. Verse 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, 
commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And of course, we all know this story very well. But I think if, if, it reminds us of something so crucial when it comes to suffering for Christ. Verse 24. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But, I love the word but here. You know, in spite of all that's going on, the, the severe persecution, severe whipping, they're chained. They don't know what's going to happen. Paul and Silas think that they might be put to death. But when it hit midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Complaining, crying, murmuring, saying, Lord, why am I here? Get me, get us out of here. We don't deserve this. Is that what your Bible says? No, of course not. What is this? About midnight, they were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners, I love this part, the prisoners were listening to them. You see, Paul and Silas knew something. They understood, first of all, that they were suffering for Jesus Christ. That they were there by the... By the a perfect plan of God by the will of God. Why? Because they were proclaiming Christ. So they expected things to go bad. And so they did. So they weren't surprised by this. Paul wasn't shocked and surprised by this. And I'm sure Silas wasn't either. This was going to happen. So here they are. No doubt they had the mindset of, I'm suffering for you, Lord Jesus. And they were thankful that they were considered worthy to receive such treatment for the name of Christ. Because at this point, what are they doing? They are having fellowship with the sufferings of their Savior. And so it is for us when persecution will come that we would consider it worthy, that we, we, we were considered worthy to be Uh, put in such a position that God has allowed us to be persecuted for his name's sake. Because so our Lord Jesus was persecuted. And Jesus said, so will you be if if you name my name. And so what were they doing? They were singing. And as they sung, they were being noticed. The prisoners were listening to them. And that is when God decided to send a message. And suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer had been aroused out of sleep and had seen the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. For we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, what is the thing he says? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He had heard the gospel. No doubt he heard the singing. He had heard the 
probably Paul and Silas were also maybe sharing the gospel with the other prisoners before they sang at midnight. But somehow he knew about salvation, that that they were talking about being saved through Jesus Christ somehow. And so he asked them the question in fear and trembling because he had seen suddenly that some, th- this earthquake had taken place. And here uh, all the chains were unfastened on the prisoners. And here he is, Paul and Silas, still sitting there. And he asked them, what must I do to be saved? And they said, of course, verse 31, the great statement, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your household. And your household. And so we see here something very important, I think, for all of us tonight when it comes to any kind of threat from the world and persecution that we might face. And that is that I must understand, first of all, that I am suffering for Christ. He said I would. I must consider it joyful. I must find joy in him. Peter said, keep on rejoicing through this. Keep on rejoicing. Paul said it himself. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in all things. But to be, the only way I can truly rejoice is if I know that I am suffering for him so i'm not i'm not enjoying the pain but i am enjoying the position i've been put in and and the and the unbelievable uh worthiness that god has chosen me to be one of his suffering saints as as his son even suffered and so we are counted worthy so one to have the joy of the Lord in my suffering is to know that I am there by the, by the uh, plan of God. And I am there to partake, to fellowship with the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, Paul and Silas knew that they were on display. They're in the prison. They knew they weren't alone. And so what was their intent? Yes, they were rejoicing in the Lord, singing songs of praise, hymns of praise. But all the while, they knew that they were being watched. And I think it's so easy for us to forget. I know it is with me that I forget that I'm being watched out there by the world. Wherever I go, if I'm claimed to be a Christian and I go somewhere and someone, they're always watching me and they're going to watch you and they're seeing how we respond to trials in our life, especially if they know we are Christians, you and I are on display. And if we understand that, we know that how I respond may, will have an impact on whether or not they may come to Christ. Because what happened with Paul and Silas? The jailer saw that they were still there. He had heard their singing and their praise, heard the gospel, but then he came to them and asked, "How can I? what must I do to be saved? And so it is when you and I, 
If the world sees that you and I are being persecuted for our faith, that we stand on the word of God, and that the world or the government or uh, others, it might be employment. You might be employed somewhere where you're not allowed to name the name of Christ. You, you know, and I, I spoke to some uh, folk in the past that uh, they got in, in severe trouble for just sharing their faith on the job. And that's getting worse. But what happens? If we do it with joy, with boldness, the world will look on upon us and they will see us and say, now why are they not angry? They're looking at a Christian. Why, why aren't you? And they may ask us, why aren't you upset? God allowed this to happen to you? And, and you're not cursing him? But you're praising him? This is what Peter is trying to get across too. Uh, and we see this beautiful example in the Apostle Paul. So turn back with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Let's go back to our passage here. And as Peter speaks of the rejoicing that we should do, keep on rejoicing under the sufferings so that when Jesus comes back, he will be pleased with us because of our rejoicing in the midst of trials. We come to verse 14. And let's read together 14. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. The spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Now, Peter is saying... When you are reviled and persecuted for the name of Christ, consider that, guess what? God is favoring you. Now, that is the last thing in the world that would come to our minds. What's the first thing when, if you are facing persecution or trial, what's the first thing that you think of? What have I done wrong? Okay, the Lord's, Lord's now punishing me for something. But understanding here uh, that Peter is trying to make clear that when we are reviled for Christ's sake and for his name's sake and, and, and we are being persecuted, we must consider ourselves blessed by God because at that moment, the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. Turn to Exodus chapter 24 with me. Let's go over to the Old Testament here. Exodus 24, verse 16. And here is when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. And it speaks of the glory of the Lord. Verse 16, Exodus 24 Verse 16, and the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. 
And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. So what happens to Moses? Verse 18. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Here we see that moment when, when Moses goes in up into the cloud where the Lord was. And of course, Israel's looking upon up and they're frightened because they see this, as it were, fire on the mountain and this great cloud. And then they suddenly Moses enters into it and he stays up there for 40 days and 40 nights. God called him up at a certain point because God was going to rest his glory upon Moses. He was showing his glory to the children of Israel, but he wanted to show it personally to Moses so that Moses could have face-to-face with God. And so it is that Moses, when he come down, you remember what, what happened when he came down? His face lit up. His face shone like the sun because he had seen the glory of God. And when you and I are in a situation where we are being uh, persecuted for the name of Christ, we must understand that, the, that God's presence is with us. And he, he, he is there with us in the midst of the persecution, just like he was with Paul and Silas in the midst of that prison. Jesus was there. Reminds me of the, the, the three men, young men in Daniel. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. And of course, we know that as Nebuchadnezzar looked in and he asked, weren't there three we threw in there? How many? Three. Well, I see four. And there was one that looked like the son of God. And there, there was Jesus in the midst. Jesus will be with you and me no matter what comes our way. And his presence will be there, and therefore we know that the spirit of God's glory rests upon us. And we need not be afraid. Turn to Acts chapter 7 real quick with me. Let's go to Acts 7. And uh, verse 54. Here's the account of Stephen. After he had preached the gospel, preached it with boldness, and oh boy, did that light a fire in the hearts of those people. Verse 54, Acts 7. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. Verse 55, being full of the Holy Spirit, He gazed intently into heaven and saw what? The glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Not sitting. We know that he's sitting there. But this one occasion, Jesus steps up off the throne and stands. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing there at the right hand of God, getting ready to receive him into heaven. What a picture. And he said, 
Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You see, he was experienced at the moment of death. He was, he was experiencing the presence and the glory of God, which was resting upon him. And it's resting upon you and me, dear friend, tonight. When we are out there in the world and the world comes against us, we will know the, his presence through his Holy Spirit. Verse 57, but they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and they rushed upon him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Don't you think that this later on had an impact on Saul's life? Yes, certainly did. That, that Paul would look back and, and recall, I remember I was there when that man Stephen... I heard his voice, what he said about seeing Jesus, and he, and he was willing to be stoned joyfully. And, when, and they went on stoning him, verse 59, stoning Stephen, and he called upon the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And having said this, he fell asleep. Here we see this tremendous picture of a man who is suffering and going to give up his life for Christ. But he was considered worthy to be stoned for the name of Jesus. And what did he do? He looked up and Jesus revealed himself to him. And he he allowed Stephen to see heaven, to see Jesus standing there, arms open, saying, Stephen, I'm well done. Enter into my arms and my kingdom. And so with that, Stephen fell asleep. What a picture for all of us. We must understand that there can be joy in the midst of, the, uh, of anything that comes our way. And the joy comes when I'm focused upon Christ and that I belong to him and that he has chosen my path. And he's allowed whatever has come into my life He's he's allowed it for testing, but for a good purpose. Let's go back then, and let's just wrap this up here in uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. And let's read uh, 15 through 19 together. Peter then goes on. By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. And if anyone suffers... As a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but in that name, let him glorify God. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what shall become of the godless man and the sinner? See, here Peter is saying, remember, there, is, there are times when God holds the believer accountable for their sin. That if we choose to sin, God as a loving father, and we read this, can you, we don't have time to turn to it, but in Hebrews, 
the, it talks about the chastisement of the father upon his children. That God chastises us because he loves us. But then he's, Peter's saying, yeah, we are chastised in this world for, for sins that we commit. He's saying, just imagine what it's going to be like for the unbeliever one day when they stand in judgment before the throne of God. And they will be cast into outer darkness, into the lake of fire because of their unbelief, because of their sin. So he's saying, Christian, don't be ashamed in the midst of your suffering. Do not be ashamed. And then I love verse 19. Peter writes, Therefore, let those also who suffer according to the will of God and trust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And dear Christian, if there's anything you take tonight with you for the week, take this verse. Take this verse and make it your own. And let us understand this when it comes to suffering. That one, because we are a child of God, we are suffering according to the will of God. That God has chosen this, and he, he told us this would happen. We are to expect tribulation in this world and trials and suffering. So he says, so those, let those who are suffering according to the will of God, what are we to do? One, entrust our souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. I've got to entrust God with my circumstances. This week, whatever pain and trials are awaiting you, go into this week entrusting your faithful creator who made you and saved you and entrust your soul to him, saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I believe whatever you are doing in my life, you consider right. Do you see that? See what he says there? He says, entrust your souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. God will always do what is right and best for you and for me. No matter how painful, no matter how despondent we may get, he has a purpose and a plan. And he is going to sustain you and me by his grace and never let us go. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for reminding us through the Apostle Peter, Lord, that suffering should be a privilege. We should consider it a privilege, Lord. Any kind of suffering we must endure, that we might count it all joy when we fall into various trials. And Father, the joy comes when we know that we are suffering for your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we are being identified with him. And as the world hated him, they hate us. But Lord, help us to rejoice in that, that we belong to you. Help us to entrust our souls to thee, Lord, to the God who does right and will do what it per- and will perfect that which concerns us according to your perfect will. 
Father, help us to be willing to surrender our will to you. And we pray, Lord, that we might be that testimony that will shine forth, that might bring others to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.